Well, friends, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Mike Goldsworthy, and this is the Space for Faith podcast, where we are spending time to create some space to have conversations around reimagining the church for our current moment. And what I thought I would do uh, is post a few short podcasts that are some some clips from our recent gathering. Many of you know we gathered a bunch of post-evangelical pastors and artists and other church leaders in Denver. And as I'm recording this, uh, we ended just a week ago. And um, it was such a beautiful and really important experience for a lot of us. This was our second time doing this. We had around 150 pastors and artists and other church leaders from all over the country, really, who came in. And uh, uh, several folks have asked, and they asked us last year when we did it, if we could stream it or things like that. And honestly, it's really hard with what we do because it's not super content-driven. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a few of these episodes where we play you some of the content, but really, we only had three speakers, and each of the three speakers were given 15 minutes each. So it's really short on content. In fact, what would happen with each of these talks is we were sitting around roundtables, and the talk was meant to spur on conversation. So one of these talks would happen, and then we'd spend 30 minutes in conversation around tables. So we were spending twice as long in conversation with each other than we were in listening to a talk. But I wanted to give you a taste of of some of the experience. So I wanted you to get to hear some of the talks. So we'll do that. We'll do that in just a minute. And even in trying to think about like how to describe the experience to you, I thought that maybe maybe one of the things that I could do, several people wrote uh, Instagram posts and things like that after the experience. And I thought maybe what I would do is I would, over the course of these, I'd read you a few of them as well. So my friend, Zach Lambert, who leads this great church in Austin. And in fact, he's been on the podcast recently. He re- leads a church called Restore in Austin. And um, Zach just posted this this morning. And so I thought I would read it to you. He said, I spent last week with 150 other self-described post-evangelical pastors, leaders, and artists. We ate and drank, laughed and cried, sang and shared communion, and had too many wonderful conversations to count. We shared what it's like to be kicked out of or grow apart from churches, denominations, and individual people that we've been connected to for most of our lives. We brainstormed about how to create faith spaces where all people can thrive. We discussed advocacy, teaching, worship, church ministry, theology, and so much more. But more than anything, we talked about Jesus, about how good he is, how consistent he is, and how thoroughly trustworthy he is, even and especially when we're struggling. I have a myriad of concerns about Christianity in America, and I haven't held back from talking about them very publicly, but I walked away from our time together last week more encouraged about the future of Jesus-centered justice-minded, all-inclusive churches than I've ever been before. There's something happening, y'all. I mean, he's in Texas, y'all, right? Something big and beautiful and Christ-like, and I'm so grateful to be a small part of it. So friends, like that, I hope that gives you just a little small taste of, 
uh, of a bit of the experience there. In fact, if you didn't get to be a part of it with us, we're going to be in the spring. We're going to be hosting small regional gatherings all over the country. We'll have at least five of them, but it looks like we may end up with several more. And so uh, probably the best way right now, we'll have some better ways to sign up for information and stuff, but the best way right now is to go to my website and sign up for my newsletter. So go to mikegoldsworthy.com and you can sign up for the newsletter there. And we will eventually have much better ways that are that are not centered around Mike Goldsworthy to find those things. But for now, that's the best way to find that info. Uh, so the talk that, that I want to introduce you to here is from my friend Gail Song Bantam. And um, gosh, if... Well, if you've listened to the podcast, you've heard Gail. She was on it with her husband, Brian. They wrote a book called Becoming Us about marriage, egalitarian marriage. And it's wonderful. Um, Gail is the lead pastor at Quest Church in Seattle. And I am such a big Gail fan. I um, I'm so proud to know her and to stand with her. At the end of her talk, like I found myself weeping through half of her talk. And at the end of it, I just went up to her and I um, just cried on her shoulder for a minute. Uh, so beautiful. And yeah, I mean, she'll, she will tell uh, just a small bit of her story about, um, about what's going on with her church at Quest uh, Church in Seattle. But she opened up our gathering with this talk and I can't think of something better to have started our time together for a group of people who have felt displaced, a group of people who aren't sure where they belong in the larger church landscape, uh, a group of people who are trying to still find ways to be a part of uh, not just critiquing what the church has been, but critiquing by creating that it's a group of people who are building something beautiful. And I can't think of a better way to have started our time together than with this talk from my friend Gail. So um, yeah, here's a small taste of our time together at the Post-Evangelical Collective. Good afternoon. Y'all are too quiet for me. I'm just going to state that up front. And um, I'm also going to lead by saying I'm going to try to make my staff proud by being transparent. What is wrong with Denver? <laughs> I am so burpy. Is that a Denver thing? So I apologize in advance. Um, where's Mike? Mike, thank you. Thank you for being a good friend, even though I give you a hard time. Thank you for being persistent. Uh, and especially thank you for this invitation, for the opportunity to meet so many new people and actually being able to see people in the flesh for the very first time after getting to know folks over Zoom. So it's an absolute honor uh, to be standing here in front of you. I bring greetings from Seattle. Beautiful, cloudy, rainy Seattle. Uh, and I am privileged and honored to be able to serve at a church there as their lead pastor, Quest Church. It's right in the neighborhood of Ballard in the heart of Seattle, Washington. You know, I called or texted Mike earlier this week realizing that this was coming up, and I was like, Mike, what am I supposed to talk about? How much time do I have? And he texted me back, and I had a word prepared. 
And then ironically, as I was preparing for this word of encouragement for you today, I received a notice and a call last night from uh, the executive board chair of our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church. Our church has been in process of being removed for becoming fully affirming over the last couple years. And they let us know that at their meeting last weekend, they had voted to pass our church along to, be, uh, to stand trial at our annual meeting next June for removal. I'm already suspended, so I'm, I'm standing here suspended, but what does that really mean? Um, so I share all of this, honestly. And so with that, with that, what I'm about to share with you is brand new. I have, I rewrote everything between last night and this morning on the plane. And I share all of this simply to say that the Spirit of God was pastoring me first before I came to encourage you on this afternoon. Uh, you know, at Quest, we have a new statement or a mantra over the last couple years that we came up with as an elder board that simply says, everyone belongs. We even have t-shirts made, we have it posted in our lobbies, everywhere. Everyone belongs. So when you walk through the doors of our church, there is no mistaking what we believe, our identity, that everyone belongs. And the statement says something like, we are on a quest to proclaim the radical belonging proclaimed by Jesus. We don't place any restrictions, any exceptions, any caveats when we say everyone belongs here. Right, And we, we list all the differences. We welcome, honor, and celebrate all people, inclusive of race, ethnicity, age, faith. I'm sure you all have statements like that somewhere on your website as well. You know, the statement, everyone belongs, is such a challenging sentiment if you really think about it, right? Especially if you're trying to embody it and live it out in real time. That's why we have these kinds of statements, to offer clarity to our community and to hold ourselves as leaders and as pastors accountable. This pursuit of belonging is something I'm sure all of us are trying to create in our churches and our communities. That's why I'm guessing that you're here at this gathering. You have convictions. You have theological commitments toward a kingdom imagination where everyone can belong. And these commitments and values have probably disrupted systems or misaligns with existing systems. That's now caused you to feel, as Jason Miller so beautifully coined, ecclesiologically homeless. Do you feel ecclesiologically homeless? We have this ministry called the Bridge Care Center that is a mile down the street from our actual church building. It is a homeless advocacy center where we have a clothing bank where we offer case management for those who are homeless and those who are in transition. And if you don't know, probably similar to Denver from what I heard um, from my Lyft driver, we have a housing crisis in Seattle. And over the last month, along two sides of our property, 
One RV became four RVs became 10 RVs and two cars became 15 RVs, four cars, six tents. And on one day, I, I went out just to meet some of our new neighbors. And in Seattle, in some progressive spaces, I know we like to be term police, uh, and there's conversation around whether or not these neighbors are called homeless or unhoused. And I was like, you know, let me, let me just introduce myself. And I said, hello, my name is Gail. What's your name? What is it like for you? What do you need? And the first thing our friend said, I want to actually be acknowledged. I want people to look at me in the eye. And then she said, I want people to stop saying that I'm homeless. This is my tent. These are my things. And this is my home. This is my tent. This is my home today. When I think about my identity as a second generation Korean American woman who's been in ministry, vocational ministry, for over 25 years now. I know, you do the math. I started when I was five, okay? <laughs> over 25 years in vocational ministry, growing up in Korean immigrant, black, Korean immigrant Pentecostal and black Pentecostal traditions, attending a United Methodist seminary, go Duke, and now pastoring an evangelical church. I lost both parents by the time I was 19, one to lung cancer and one because I was disowned for choosing to marry a black man who then later died in 2017. My story is important in this moment because I can't remember a time that I've ever had a shelter or a house where all of me, all of who I was, belonged in one place or with one people. Whether it's my gender or my ethnicity, my leadership style, my faith tradition, the way I look and talk and occupy this body. Like the neighbor that I met, I had to find small tents and tethers of belonging throughout my life and make it my home. In any given season, I had to be able to respond, this is my tent. This is my home. For many of you here, your reality might be slightly different than mine. Maybe you've had one space or maybe a few places where all of you, the fullness of your identity could actually belong. 
So I can only imagine how losing that space or one of those spaces of belonging could become a very traumatic reality for you. And I don't ever want to minimize that. But what I want to do today is expand your imagination of what belonging can be, what home can feel like. The statement, everyone belongs, should be a mantra that we also extend toward ourselves. Not just for the people we lead. Embracing this notion of belonging as an expansive, boundary-breaking term is how many of us who live in the intersections of the multi have to exist. Belonging breaks boundaries. The church I get to lead, we're a multi-church, multi-racial, multi-ethnic, cultural, lingual, generational, multi-ability, socioeconomic, LGBTQ plus inclusive, multi-faith traditions. Of our six pastors, we all come from very different faith traditions because we're multi-racial, multi-cultural, multi-ethnic. You feel me? And as I mentioned earlier, we, myself and our church, have been in a process with our denomination for over a year now. But what our denomination doesn't quite understand, and what I've been constantly reminding our church of, is that we've been here before. Quest, you've been here before. Gail, self, I've been here before. So last night when I got that call, oh, I've been here before. And I tell my people, we are not a people who were born into this church, this community called Quest. None of us should be 100% comfortable in our pursuit of the multi. Our multi-existence takes intentionality and sacrifice. It ought to cost us something. It has become chosen family for all of us. But just because we may not have shelter or covering for a season doesn't mean we're without a home. Just because my former denomination, the Kojic tradition, wouldn't ordain women as pastors doesn't mean I wasn't pastoring. Just because I don't embody my Korean womanhood in the ways that are more traditional doesn't mean I'm not Korean. Just because I didn't have parents as an adult doesn't mean I don't have parental figures in my life. Just because I lead with a shared power structure doesn't mean that my leadership isn't powerful. Come on, somebody. Just because you don't have a house doesn't mean you don't have a home. We are in a moment where we have to think beyond. New wine requires new wineskin. You know, a church member asked me recently at our town hall meeting, do you believe the denomination has the possibility to change even though we've been in this for over a year now? 
And the first thought that came to mind was Maya Angelou's quote. When somebody shows you who they are, believe them. I believe them. And as I stepped onto the plane this morning, I sent an email to our elder board and pastoral team sharing the words of Toni Morrison from her novel, Song of Solomon. And she says this, you want to fly? Do you want to fly? Then you got to give up the shit that weighs you down. And I ended by saying this, we may not have a house soon, but this is our tent. We are each other's home. Quest Church is a place now that will always center the edges, that will prioritize the margins, that will rest in the in-between spaces of the neither nor. In our press for making room and breaking boundaries, the question that drives us is not who are we gonna lose, but rather who's not yet here. I want to be a people who will leave the 99, who will leave the denominational affiliations for the one. Don't ask yourself, who are we going to lose in the process, but who is not yet here? As the prophet Isaiah said, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For your descendants are many. Beloveds, whatever season of dispossession or displacement you might find yourselves in today. I pray that even this space, this space that has been cultivated for you over the next two days, that this space, these people, may they be your tent, your home today. We serve a God of abundance. I pray that you would walk this life, your journey of faith, not in scarcity but in abundance, and I pray this over you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.